Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today is Book Club. Please remember, we do discuss the whole book, which may involve spoilers. Before I bring up our conversation, I wanted to say that your support of my podcast means a lot to me. The easiest way is to buy me a coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash LLTB podcast. Every coffee you buy me helps keep me alert and this podcast going. I'll add the link in the show notes and I thank you. One more thing. I want to talk a bit about a great audiobook app, Libro.fm, lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, you know the name, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of this podcast can get two books for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that is L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code LLTB podcast. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'll add the link in the show notes. And let's get straight to book club. Welcome to book club. We're doing Kalyana by Rajni Mala Kilawan. And first thoughts. Erin, you want to go? Sure. I really enjoyed this book. Uh, I had not read a book that was in this particular location or setting before. So Fiji was the setting. So to learn a little bit more about um, the uh, the island and a little bit of its history was really, I, I thought it was refreshing. It was a new take. So I enjoyed it. For me, it was like about the island and the history. I felt like it wasn't that much of it. Mm. I don't know because it was just more of, oh, we're Indians living in Fiji. And that's what I got out of it. And then towards the end with the political struggles, it came up that, oh, we're doing all this and yet, you know, we're not respected and we're persecuted and all of that. And I was like, where have I heard this before? It sounds like pretty much every country. That's kind of what the political element of it went to. I was thinking in terms of Island of Sea Women for the political situation. But what I really wanted was more of that rather than a generalized you know, the political situation was bad. People were being killed, blah, blah, blah. And okay, let's talk about whatever else. You know, that's kind of where I went with that. I um, got as far as for my first thoughts of reading, I just felt it was a little slow for me. I was like, okay, I'm following the story. I was like, what is the story really about? And uh, it wasn't like, horrible. It wasn't bad. I just was, I just wanted a little bit more pep and a little bit more pace. And I think she just wanted it to be very character driven. And so she was focusing just very much on the character rather than, I guess, events and things happening. Most of the book seemed pretty happy, I thought, with one exception, a major exception, but still it was one exception and the rest of it was, oh, okay. So those were my thoughts. I don't know what I was expecting, though. Uh, the other thought was that she writes beautifully. She has beautiful prose. She's a phenomenal author. So that was another thing that struck me. But so what is this book really about? I mean, I don't think it's about home. You know, and I say that because she migrates to Canada. Right. But she doesn't ever come back except for when her mom dies. Correct. And I don't ever feel like she felt the pull to come back until her mom was dying. Right. Like as much as she loved her parents, I do not think that she felt that 
that pull to go back, or at least it wasn't reflected in the writing that I could tell. So I don't think it's a story about home. I think it's a story about survival, I guess. Survival? Yeah. In the sense that like she, she has to survive what she, what her, you know, the attack from her uncle. So that's survival from a young child's perspective and also having to survive the, what do I want to say? The emotional upheaval of not having her mom's support and like feeling like it was something shameful that it was like in some way her fault or something. I know that wasn't what her mom was trying to make her feel, but you know, that was part of what she was trying to survive. Then surviving uh, in the sense of political upheaval that resulted in her and her husband going to Canada. And then it was survival as a mom, survival in the sense of like finding a career and trying to prosper in a new place. So for me, I don't think the book was about home, but I do think that the book was about survival in many different ways. And I think part of like not going back to Fiji was survival for her. Rufat, what are your first thoughts on this book? Uh, I want to. I think survival was the thing that came to my mind as well. That she had so many things, and of course, the first and the foremost thing was what happened to her when she was a little girl. And I think the the message that things can happen to you, but it's not like the bad things impact you as much as the situation when they're not resolved or when you can't have a closure or when you don't think you have a support. I think that was very painful and really expressed in a beautiful way. And especially in the end, when it was the mom as well, who had gone through the same thing, uh, that was a very uh, good kind of like, you know, painful part of the book. And I think that was very nicely done. I thought in terms of when the mom also had gone through it, I thought in terms of that um, other book, what's the book called, Aaron? Uh, The book about Katna? You know what I'm talking about? You was know, it five or seven? It was a number. Yeah, seven. yeah, yeah. Seven. Was it just the name of the book was seven or? Yeah, yeah. It was a number. There was a number in it and there was something else. Anyway, we did a book about like uh, FGM where the author joined us. I don't know if, if you were there at that time. One of the things in that book was very similar. You don't know if this character ever had it. It's the mom had it, but and the mom's throughout her life is trying to protect her daughter from having it, from having it. And then at the end of the book, you know, I'm giving, I'm spoiler alert here for you, Rufat, but uh, you find out that, oh, that did happen. And it's just the way it was written. But um, that was something I thought about. And I thought in terms of writing, and I turned my brain into a writer and an author brain, as opposed to a, oh, her mom had gone through it too. I just went, oh, this seems like a cycle for authors to do just to have a surprise element with with that in a past with the mom or a daughter. I was just, that's kind of where my brain went into. So I just thought, yeah, it's kind of sad, but it felt a little contrived. And it also felt like, well, if you'd gone through that, then why did it take you till your end before you decided to beat up on, was it her brother or her brother-in-law? Her brother, right? Brother-in-law. Her brother-in-law. So yeah, why did... Okay, so why did it take her that long to suddenly go berserk and beat up on her brother-in-law? Like, I mean, if that that was a feeling, if she had experienced that as a child and now her own daughter is experiencing something like this, then where did that change come from? That was my big thing. Like, it just felt very like, okay great. Good for you. I'm glad you're beating him up now. Um, well, okay, good for you. And then I thought, okay, it's, um, is it about forgiveness? Is the book about forgiveness? Because at the end is when the daughter and the mom is talking, the mom's like, I'm so sorry about all of this. I don't know. It just, it was good. And then it wasn't good. I don't know. I can't tell you why I felt contrived about it, but I said, okay, that's what it is. But in general, I mean, it was a good book. Like I said, read it well. For me, I think, yeah, the book is about forgiveness. And um, I think about just growth. That's kind of what I got out of it. Just living, surviving and growth. And that's kind of it. I don't think of this book as a, like a wow, 
like a story with all the stuff going on and you're like, oh my, you know, I don't know. That was my concept of it. Erin? I did not feel like it was contrived, but I also know that when you talk about women experiencing sexual abuse, either in childhood or as an adult, I mean, the numbers are incredibly high in, in, in many populations, it's two out of three women. So when you're thinking about that, like it's not inconceivable to think that a mother and a daughter both would go through it. And I think the mom, unfortunately, was probably modeling the behavior that she saw her, you know, her family members, if anybody knew, and it seemed like maybe people had known what she was going through, at least her sister knew, right? And and she knew what her sister had gone through with him. From my perspective, I felt like that she was just modeling the behavior that was shown to her from other women in her life when she was going through that at a younger age. And she didn't really know what else to do or how to kind of question it or fight the power that was there, the patriarchy, so to speak, you know? Yeah. So I was, um, I don't know, uh, to me, it seemed like the part where she actually beats uh, her brother-in-law is, uh, was very, it was the closure. I think it's it was the revenge that she should have taken. And I understand uh, you say that it took her so long to do that. But I definitely understand the way things change and the way you become older, you become better or you are bolder as you grow older that, okay, my husband's dead. I'm almost going to die. Even if I get in trouble, it's fine. I'm going to beat the hell out of that guy who did that to my daughter. Because that was, I think, uh, it was revenge first, but it was out of her own guilty feeling throughout the life that she, it wasn't easy for her to live with something that only she and her daughter knew and her daughter was the one who was the victim. So to me, um, it was a very good scene. I actually heard it a couple of times. It was very satisfying for me because throughout you keep on thinking that, I don't know, why did you do that? And then the backstory uh, of her being raped as well as a child, it was her own brother, right? So um, that kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, it came kind of in a very good way justified everything that she had done before and you you see if um, she mentions Oprah as well she Oprah didn't come out right away it took her so long to and I think that's the shift in culture a very powerful message that this writer talks about in the book you know and I think time frame she's talking about is also when people are starting to be aware and what's that campaign don't be quiet something like that right I don't know, Ashinas, to me, it was a it was very good scene of the book. It was one of the winners for me. But of course, you all process things differently. I don't know. I just, you guys are going to hate me for this. And I hate myself for saying this. And I'm like, what kind of a woman would even say this? But her rape was like, I mean, was it digital? Was it with his finger? Or was, was it with his penis? I mean, I, I think it, it was, was both. Wrong. It was full on because she was bleeding. Well, it could have been with a finger and she could have been bleeding. True. True. I I took it as both. Yeah. That's how I took it. I don't know. I I mean, I I didn't go back to it, but I I just took it as that he was trying to play with her and trying to get it on. I I didn't get it as a full on that he actually kept going, 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 going till he released himself on her. That was something I did not get maybe I missed it but I I was like okay because I know somewhere they get interrupted and he's like put your clothes on or something you know and it's like the mom realized you know there's they they do get interrupted because before it becomes a full-blown rape kind of thing she was in that kind of a situation but I was like thinking okay finger you know that's bad I'm not I'm not justifying that yeah no fine yeah just touch little girls and you know stick your thing in there no I'm not justifying it but I just felt that the amount of trauma that they talk about when I think about rape I really think in terms of like not just emotional abuse I think of physical abuse I think in terms of like a lot of fighting and a lot of bruising, you know, I think of a full body, full on suffering. I don't think in terms of like a, okay, I'm not saying this is not rape. I mean, do not get me wrong here, but I think it could have been worse is what I'm saying for, I mean, I'm not saying it's not traumatic, 
I can see where it's traumatic, but to make it like, oh my God, I cannot live my life after this one event, that kind of trauma, I wasn't sure of. That's all. I mean, I know, I know you guys are probably, go ahead and bring down on me about it. I just, I was like, I needed more trauma for that. And because of that, I just kind of felt like, oh my gosh, you're, you know, it's like you're beating up on this guy years later. I just, I don't know. I wasn't very satisfied with it, especially when all this time you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to tell my husband about it because he will beat up on you. Oh, really? Well, okay, fine, whatever. So I don't know. It's just, it's fine. I, I don't even know what I want to say. I took it that she didn't tell her husband because she was trying, because that brother made the decisions for the family and that she was not trying to cause there to be a further social problem where if that's the, the head of the family that he's making decisions based on, you know, his being slighted or whatever, even though he did something very wrong. And um, I think that I think there's a couple of things. First of all, I think the writer might have been trying to avoid what some people would call like, I don't know what the right term is for it, but basically like going into too gory of a detail about rape to satisfy people's their thoughts or their questions about what you know um rape is or how that that happened so i think that the author was trying to avoid that and i respect that and the other thing that i would say is i think that considering the age of the child in the book like anything at that age is traumatic and think back to the seven seven or eight deaths of stella fortuna and that wasn't even rape but it was still abuse and it was traumatic and it shaped everything about her sexuality from that point forward and her view of men that point forward. So this was much more than that. And it so, yes, I do think that that it's it's as bad. I think that it could lead to as much trauma. I took it as it was actually full full blown rape. I did not think that there, it was less than that when I was reading it. I just didn't think that the author was trying to go into detail to be respectful or not triggering or things like that, right? Like that's what I took it from it. But the other thing that I want to point out is that I do think that like the amount of what happened could very much, oh, I know what I was going to say. As a mom, <laughs> if somebody touched my child, even even if I didn't, you know, even to the degree that you thought that was happening, I swear I would beat them with that at any chance that I got the opportunity. And I'm a pacifist, but I, you better believe that I would beat them to death. So anyway, for what that's. No, no, it's totally fine. I'm just kind of like, I don't know, I'm processing trauma. When you bring up Stella Fortuna, I mean, the man had his penis in her face and was trying to rub it on her face. There, It's a very, like, okay, I don't know. It's There's something visual and dramatic about that like, I mean, by that definition, I mean, I feel traumatized by going to a doctor and he felt my boobs when I was 13. I'm still traumatized by it. I'm kind of like, I, I don't like it that someone touched me. He was a doctor. That means every doctor is raping girls if they even touch them anywhere else. I, I mean, I'm just saying, I, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm just trying to, you know, it just felt, it just felt weaker than it should be. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I, I know Aaron's face is like, I cannot believe you're even what is wrong with you, woman? Are you even a woman? I It just felt weaker. I was like, OK, what else? Keep going. What what else is it? It's kind of like I'll give you an example. There's an Indian Bollywood movie. OK, and I don't know what movie it is. Or maybe it's not in Bollywood. The woman gets kissed by a guy. OK, this is a woman. This is not a child. A woman gets kissed by the by a guy based on the kiss. She feels so violated because it's India. In India, even a kiss is like, you've lost your virginity. She goes, locks herself in the room, burns herself up and commits suicide. And I watch this movie and I'm going, you know what? Move on. I'm not saying this didn't happen. I'm not saying this is good for you, but this is this is like, move on. You know, th there was that. This was a child, yes, but I felt there should have been a little bit of a move on in this case, kind of, sort of, that's all. But anyway, 
So I also didn't think much of the scene itself in terms of the power it had on even me as a reader. I also kind of thought a couple of times, was it a really full on rape or was, and I don't remember the word rape being used anyway, but in any event, I think it was a huge trauma for her and it should have been. And I think, uh, like I mentioned before, the trauma was not only the fact that something happened to her. It was also the fact that she was told that she needs to hide it. And she talks about her panties being burned a couple of times and that if she told someone dad is going to get in trouble. So, I mean, the whole thing of like on a seven year old, you're child who went through something you're putting that so moving on was not just that thing moving on was related to a lot of things and I think I don't know Erin or you said something about why did would she not tell dad there are a lot of things uh the whole family structure would have gone really bad even the dad would have felt shame they, he could have died killing him it could have been a lot of things and also in the end Kiliana herself would have been like would you say smeared or you know had a, in that culture it's it's typical even back home if if there's a rape it's a women's fault if something like this happened maybe she, so or you know just she's not a virgin anymore who's gonna marry and that could be a lifelong thing with her just like with her aunt who had a like a limp and whatever but not you know so uh the reason mom had according to that culture that time they were not right but they I understand those reasons. And I also kind of understand the reason that moving on, and she did move on. I have to say Kaliana did move on. She did end up marrying. And uh, I I think she did what she could given that situation. But the strongest point was this, that it's not the trauma itself. It's the way you approach that trauma. And as a child, we are so young. And uh, I that book reminded me a lot about the vital yonder, how as a child, adults can really make decisions for you and then they don't realize how much it's it impacts you as a life and your personalities okay sorry I was just trying to read through it just says it says she couldn't breathe you know the shack became blurry I couldn't breathe couldn't think it was so hot yet I shivered constantly I could feel his breath uh oh this uh the author's here hold on his weight I closed my eyes I up uh, where to go? His, his, the weight of his body on me is what it says. I was quieter than it at for, as the first burst of pain exploded in my small body. Okay. So you're right. It was full blown. Okay. I just, I don't know why I thought it was, okay. Hold on. Okay. So the author's here. Hold on. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. It's so great to see you all. Well, thank well, you for choosing Kalyana for the book club. I really appreciate it. You're very, very welcome. We're just talking about the book and all of that. So tell me why you wrote this book. Okay. Um, it's mainly to give the Indo-Fijian women a voice, but it, you know, it was a process to come to write it. I'll go into a little bit of details. Like when I first wrote my first book, well, second actually, but we won't get into that. So it was the second book that I published in the, in, at the end of the Dark and Stormy Night. I had an interview with the CBC radio. You know, I was pushed into writing you know, actually, let me start from the beginning. The first, very first book that I wrote had German characters, and it was set in Austria, Vienna. And then when I sent it out to the publishers, they said, nobody's going to take you seriously. You're a South Asian woman. You need to write about a South Asian book. So I thought, okay. So I started researching that. And, you know, I found such great literature, Rohinton Mystery, Jampal Harry, all of those writers, Salman Rushdie. And I thought, wow, this is great. That's maybe where I need to be then. Uh, the first one was never published. So I shelved it. So I wrote the second book, The End of the Dark and Stormy Night. It was based on characters from India, which I know nothing about because <laughs> I'm Indo-Fijian. But, you know, that's what other people were doing. So I did that and, you know, self-published that one uh, in 2008. So my journey started in 2003. So in 2008, it was, I self-published it. And I was doing a CBC interview of uh, the first book the, uh, that I published. And the host said, is there any Fiji left in you? And, you know, that literally stumped me. Because here I am writing about people from India that actually I knew nothing about, you know. And it really got me thinking about Fiji. And at that point, I wanted to 
give the Indo-Fijian women a voice because I had gone back after 18 years or so, or maybe 20 years, and I saw that they still didn't have much of a voice. So that was my objective of writing it. But, you know, before I even began writing it, the second question after that was, should I be the one giving them a voice? Because here I am living in Canada. Should not like an Indo-Fijian woman be writing their story? Why, why does it have to be me, right? Like it shouldn't be me really. But then I thought about it and they're still struggling with it. They don't really have, I mean, I was privileged to be in Canada. I had the writing workshop. I had the creative writing courses. I have worked with the best editors and writing coaches that have developed me through my journey. And it was a long journey. So, you know, they didn't really have that and they still don't have what we have here. So taking that into account, I think I have a responsibility to write about them. So I did it and I wanted to do it with sensitive, to be sensitive and have compassion. And I also wanted to be authentic. So I said the story in 1970s because that's when I grew up and that's the era that I knew the best about. So I knew what Fiji was like in the 70s. I don't know what it's like in the 90s or after I left and came to Canada. So I based it then because I, I could, you know, draw from my memories and um, be able to recreate that era. Hi, Rajni, right? Yes. Yes. It, it is so nice to meet you virtually. And I really like the book. And uh, we were just discussing a little bit about it. And it's it's really an honor to for you to be here, you know, and for us. So um, I just wanted to ask, did you relate to any of the character or any like directly or indirectly in the book was there any anybody that reminded you while you were writing whether it was the aunt or mom or you know um thanks for asking me if it's autobiographical it's not oh <laughs> so no, no I I yeah I know all of the authors get that <laughs> nowadays you know it just it's like no it's fiction no I didn't relate to any of the characters I mean, if anything, um, like Kalyana has body issues. So that's something I have struggled with and aerobics and everything, you know, that's something I have done coming to Canada. I mean, definitely the first time I had to wear a swimsuit, it was just a traumatic experience for me, especially growing up in the 70s and swimming like in dresses and then having to wear that here. But um, no, it's, it's uh, you know, I didn't. I mean, certain experiences in the book is definitely mine. Okay. So uh, the first day of Kalyana's when she went to school mm-hmm. and her first day and the headmaster gave her a red stick. Um, so that happened to me. So that was personal. Okay. Experience. Yeah. Okay. Um, can, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Also, like in the end, Kalyana's mom, she had stood up to the robbers Uh, So that had happened to my mom and she was in her late seventies when that had happened. And it's exactly what she had said. The robbers had asked, where's the money? And she goes, you know, it's in your pocket. And then they got rough with her the other time she couldn't walk. So she was holding to the walls and, you know, followed them inside the house. She should have just sat in the porch and just let them right get whatever, but no, she followed them in and they had gotten rough with her and, you know, bruised right, or maybe perhaps broken bones. And I'm not too sure about that, but locked her in the washroom. So I think those two incidences are true mm-hmm. to my life. And I remember going crab catching with my brother. He, I think he only took me twice. And then he thought I was too young to carry the bags and just too young for the whole experience. But it's something I absolutely adored, but it was with my brother. I mean, women didn't do that. And I don't think they still do that, to be honest. But um, I gave that quality to Manjula because she just seemed like someone who was breaking traditions and breaking the rules, you know. So. Yeah. And the only reason I asked is because I think the characters that you wrote were very complex and really amazing, especially the aunt. Manjula's character was really very well done and it was very cultural appropriate. It was, it was, it seemed like you probably knew the, what the person is going through and what people around her. So that was very nicely done. It was very beautiful then. 
you know, uh, my first book actually is lesbian and gay. (laughs) It's interesting because um, my family, after reading that book, had sent me links to lesbians getting married in U.S. And they said, you know, it happens now. It's okay. You can tell us anything and we accept you. And I didn't say anything, you know, because I just let them guess and wonder (sighs) what. (laughs) But um, yeah, from the first book, that's something... I have been complimented on are the characters that I create. They're very complex. And that's with even the first book. It was from a male's point of view, but I love doing that. This one was from a little girl's point of view. And I just love that world. And I have to be careful about how much I say, because they were looking at everything through the eyes of innocence. You know, I had to keep that into mind, even when discussing sex, let's say, had to do it in a subtle way. So, um, but yeah, the first book was a, a lot of it was a guy's point of view and he was quite lovable, I guess. He was unemployed, but women fell in love with him and they were asking me, where can I meet him? You must have uh, based it on someone. There's someone like him that I can meet. And it's like, no, definitely not. Like he, he, does, he really doesn't exist. So That's great. That's great. Yeah. We were actually talking about the the sex, the rape you know, before you came on, because I kind of was like trying to determine, I was actually trying to reread it again, like going, was it full blown rape? Was it digital? What what was happening? Because the mom walks in and kind of stops it. But I was kind of a little confused as to what had actually happened. But now I when I reread it, I, I just want to double check. It was full blown rape, right? I think the reviewers say it's full blown. I think it doesn't really matter if it's full blown or if it's just fondling, you know, there's, there's this damage that is done. Okay. um, Regardless of what it really is, like what extent of it. Right, right. No, I, I'm just being obnoxious because like, like Aaron and and my friend Griffith is just like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm just a little obnoxious today. I don't know what it is. I probably had a rough day today. So I just got like, well, but it wasn't full blown, was it? Oh, was it? And so I'm reading it. And it sounds like there were, I mean, at first, I thought it was just finger, but you're right. You're right. You're like, your point was more of emotional damage of somebody who approached somebody's body space without their permission. Uh, Yeah. And I think, like I said, the reviewers have interpreted it as that. Um, That's how it's advertised at a lot of places as well. And when I read back, I think it was, but then, you know, it's something I don't go into. And I don't know if you needed to, if I needed to provide too much detail about that. Just like I think I said, it, it doesn't, because sometimes let's say something happens for 10 minutes and it still breaks you, especially if it's a person of trust and you can't, um, I mean, uh, definitely something more violent would be horrific. So I'm not saying that it's not more horrific in that way, but I'm, I think the idea is that it's just a violation, right? Okay. And if something just sticks with you and affects so where did, you. Where did that come from? Where did you, I mean, I know you, you're, you know, you're writing this book. You're like, I want to talk about Indo, Indo-Fijians. I want to talk about Fiji. I want to talk about that. And then where did this come from? Because it's something that I have dealt with, something I have seen people around me deal with. And especially in the, uh, there's been a lot of confessions to me as well about this subject. It's difficult to talk about, see, even like with us discussing it here in a safe environment. But it's really difficult, I think, especially in a non-Western culture or Indo-Fijian culture for women to, I mean, they're still shamed, you know, it it kind of falls on you. The blame really for everything, that's the subject of my next book from a 90-year-old woman's perspective. But anyways, uh, the blame falls on the women, right? But I mean, it's, I mean, even if a man goes through, I mean, this book is about women, but even if a man goes through it, it's the same thing. Like there's this silence and shame. There's this shame around it. And it's just around no matter who it is, you know, and that's in an Indian culture, I think it's more pronounced. I hate to say that, but I. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I, I believe you that it's more pronounced. I was just thinking in terms of like more, violence and graphic versus you know just the element of it's not just the element but it is an element of 
going through something and carrying carrying shame with you for the rest of your life. So yeah, you know, and I I don't like to pass judgments because everyone's a different place in growing as well. So I have to be very um because again, we're privileged in the Western culture. It's something that's opened up for us, right? These things are privileges that we don't notice. And it's I'm privileged that way to be able to um recognize it, talk about it. But in that culture, especially in that era, there's just absolutely no way they were privileged and it, to talk about it. I think it's it's becoming more and more where they were coming out and talking about it more. There was a writer in Fiji actually who had written something similar. It was a, a man, and I do believe in one of his interviews, he said he had experienced it. Now I'm I believe I read that, so we'll have to look that up. So, you know, I mean, he's open and verbal about it. And I think the point of this book was also to, so that women can find courage within themselves mm-hmm. and find that voice within themselves. And I just wanted it to be a book that really empowers women, you know, not just Indo Fiji. And I think we're all connected. There's a Kalyana in each of us. Erin, uh-huh. mm-hmm. you have your hand up. Yeah, I was just going to say that I feel like, you know, even coming from Western culture, that there's a very universality to this topic, like women, even though the details might be different, right, or like the outcome might be different, we have access to um, like mental health care and things like that here that's not accessible to people everywhere. And I can recognize that, but there is a universal truth to it. And it's something that like, sadly, that, that, that we can relate to as women, many of us can relate to that. So I, again, I think it's, it's unfortunate that that's uh, one of those, those things that we can all relate to in some way, because if we, what hasn't happened to us, it's probably happened to somebody that we know, you know, like my sister, for example. So, so there is a, a universal truth to it. And I think that, that that's one of the things that I think rings so true about your book is just that this is an experience of women. And I do think you do a great job of empowering women and showing that life can go on and we can work past this and it doesn't have to define us. Um, it's part of our story, but it doesn't have to define us. So I think that was a very beautiful message. And we, one of the things we talked about before you came on was that the message that we got from, from your book, one of the big messages was survival. Like, how do we survive in very hard realities of this world. And, and that was a message that we felt rang true for Kaliana, rang true for her mother. And so I just think it was beautifully written, um, a, a really great story to tell. And I'm not Indo-Fijian, but I feel like I heard their voice and not only that, but like I could relate. So it, um, it, was, it was wonderful. It was a great job done. Actually, I'm kind of curious what character and scene were your favorites? I always, if you don't oh, mind. Yeah. Okay. So my I favorite character, I loved Kaliana, but I also loved the aunt. I just thought that like her story was so, it was so beautiful because here she is and disability is seen as, you know, something very tragic and keeps her from being able to do the just normal living in, in her society and her culture. But like half the time, she's not letting this hold her down. (laughs) She's kind of like, you know, charging forward and, and, and embracing because I mean, she kind of has her own ideas of what she wants to do. And she's like, well, this works to my favor (laughs) to, to a certain extent. Right. And I just thought she was wonderful. And she also, she loves Kaliana in, in a way that I think nobody else in the book does not that I mean it's just different right it's different than a mother's love and and I grew up with aunts in my life and my mom has three sisters no brothers so I, I they were around and one of my aunts didn't have children and so I very much like and she was kind of that that force that was like I want to go and travel and I'm going to go live in Hawaii and I'm going to go do these things and so I don't know it just reminded me of that aunt who's who I'm still very close to to, to this day so I loved her character, the scene that I liked the most when, uh, I think it's, yes. When the aunt throws the soup at the dinner table, (laughs) that was like a, yes, I wanted to do that. And so I felt, you know, like she was, that was justified in that moment, but that's also my privilege of 
<laughs> not knowing what consequences that that was going to hold for her and her culture and society. But, you know, I, I wanted that for her. I wanted that justice for her. My my favorite character, hands down, is Manjula, the, the aunt. I mean, like, hands down. I cannot tell you how much I loved her. I loved her spirit. She was every woman. She was the inspiration. I mean, it's like I want to read about Manjula in all my books because she was the one who was like, don't give up. Let's keep going. I mean, that was some message. I mean, oh my gosh, I loved it. She's driving. I mean, that was just I laughed out loud. I mean, I'm like reading this book. I'm listening to it on audio and I'm like following. And I laughed out loud at her driving and people's comments on it. It was just absolutely brilliant. And then for me, another favorite scene, I think the most heartwarming thing for me was at the end when she takes her to the mall and there's Manjula's alterations. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's like, it's just, it's just like, Oh my gosh. I, yeah, I mean, my whole, I know the book is Kalyana, but my whole, my Kalyana is centered around Manjula. That was hands down. Rufat? Yes, Manjula for sure. (laughs) I uh, noted down a lot of uh, the quotes, but the one that I really loved was a woman could drive even if you could not walk straight. (laughs) (laughs) best thing you could say about her and I like the relationship between her and Kiliana as well it was like just I love you but I hate you too and all that like a little bit of jealousy a little bit of like you know why don't I have that right and why does she have that right that was very beautifully done especially knowing her culture and uh, her position in the family first she was I think pulled out of the school or something or didn't get married because she had uh, the sister had kids or something so she went through a lot but like Shana said that Kalyana is every woman I think every woman should be uh, not Kalyana sorry Manjula but every woman should be Manjula I wish all of us could have that spirit and that um, you know positivity in us and I really really appreciated that you uh, wrote about a person from our culture who could uh, give all of us inspiration you know we are all so blessed in so many ways but still we don't look at all the positive things and actually go ahead and get what we can so that was very uh, nicely done and my favorite scene we were talking about before uh, you joined us was my most satisfying scene was definitely when the mom beat the the person who raped her daughter. I think that was that was very nice. It gave a closure to the book that kept on bugging me throughout. And uh, that completed that whole journey the mom had in her past and whatever Kalyana went through. And I think that kind of put Kalyana in peace as well. Yeah. Yeah. Manjula is actually my favorite character too. And uh, the, as a reader, um, the driving scene definitely was my favorite scene. And the fact that everyone was wondering if she's actually in search of a woman. So I like I like that line too, because, you know, when you're, I don't like using the term masculine, like I really don't like labels and all of that stuff. But when you're more aggressive or not fitting the mold that society's told you to fit into, then, you know, things like that are said about women. So... It's interesting that a lot of you connected with that. So how long did uh, this book take, like from start to finish? You're going to be surprised. Six weeks. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been writing since I was in um, grade three. I used to write a short story a day. What else? When I was in grade, um, when I was 12 years old, I wrote two Bollywood movies. The One was about divorce in South Asian culture in 1980s. Totally controversial. And I was 12. I don't even know why I was writing this. It's still in my closet, actually. I've kept uh, those two plays I wrote. The other one was about Jewel Thief. So this one was six weeks. And uh, it... Um, I even with edits from... and everything? Like like your first draft was how long so then? Your first draft was uh, um, maybe a little smaller than this because Angela didn't exist. Okay. Till two weeks before publication. Uh, yeah, two weeks before publication, because I wanted to keep the focus on Kalyana and her mother's relationship. Mm-hmm. 
but it felt kind of thin, like the Canada section. Then I thought, well, the um, editor, but with the publisher said, something's not feeling right in this part. So I thought, okay, well, what is she doing in Canada? So that aspect came in the friendship. And I thought, you know, let's explore friendship between the two mm-hmm. women. So that part came in later. And also her writing part, because after I was done the book, it's like, well, who's telling the story? Me? <laughs> like, who wrote this book? And then, so I had to weave in the fact that she was a writer from uh, young. So that came later. But uh, so the six weeks, I wanted to say, I worked from 8 a.m. in the morning to like 3 or 4 a.m. Um, yeah, it was painful. But I just couldn't get away from the characters and I couldn't get away from this fire that I was feeling. Like the words were just coming out and... Um, so it what was my first book about? that I wrote, though, right? I haven't published all my books. I don't even know if I would ever. But this is the fourth one. So I had a lot of experience already. Sure. Um, so that was already there. But uh, yeah, so uh, it was, um, I'll actually tell, share something. I was so in- into writing this that I didn't even want to, like, take a break to eat or anything. So, uh, you know, but then I got hungry. So I was cooking chicken while I'm still writing this, and there was a fire behind me, which, <laughs> thank goodness I had a dog, uh, you know, I mean, she passed away, but thank goodness for Mocha, because my Mocha was just running to me, running back, and running back and forth, and I was like, what's going on, and then she, you know, took grab of my clothes, and like, literally dragged me, and then I look around, <laughs> and there's a fire, <laughs> I oh, wasn't wow. able to put it out, but it's, it was just an interesting book. It came the most easiest to me. Um, so, you know, each book determines how long it takes. That took six weeks. Again, 8 a.m. to like 3 a.m. in the morning, nonstop, seven days a week. I just couldn't stop. And the third one that I've just finished, that's edited and everything's done, it's taken me, I think, 10 years to write it. So, it, as you can see, it just really depends. So, um. 8 a.m. to 3 a.m. is 12, yeah. 19 hours. Oh, uh, about yeah. how many words is that? Like to I write 19 <laughs> hours a day. I mean, this this book, I'm, I'm guessing a word count is it's probably easily 80-ish, 80, 85,000. 80,000. 80, okay, it but is 80. It, yeah. it was 60,000. The uh, Like the Angelo part came after. Okay. You know, to be honest, once the Fiji part was done, I didn't know where to take it. So I had the block, but I really loved the Fiji part. And I'm like, you know, I got to complete this one way or the other. And it's something I tell my children and something I live by. You you shouldn't expect perfection from anything, you know. So I, I wanted to finish the book because I thought the Fiji part was strong enough. So I just finished the book uh, with the Canada section barely there. And okay. um when I sent to the editors, it didn't really need a lot of editing, which was surprising. But again, this is my fourth book, right? So, right, right. Yeah, it's the first book was editing was two or three years. So they thought, right. you know what, it still needs editing. Like, that's why I'm not promoting it too much. Um, right. Because it still needs editing. So it's the first book, even though the characters are there, that's what I got right. But the other things, it just didn't have what Kalyana had. So... Got it. Got it. Do you guys have any other questions? Because I know Aaron has to go. So I just wanted to close this up sooner. You know, if you guys have any questions, so then we can, you know, once if they have any questions, then we can go with that. And then uh, I'll just say thank you to you. And then because then I will talk to them about their rating and things like that. I just don't think it's fair to have you there while they're like, oh, what's the rating of this book? You know, it just does that make sense? Yeah, but you can listen to it on the podcast. It'll all be recorded, so you're like, and, the, and then you can. I mean, I have me. no problem saying my part now because I, I'm not. I only have good things to say. So okay, go for it. I, I gave it like I would give it. Uh, I gave it a four. I would give it a five. I think if I had a little bit more rounding out on the Canada side, mm-hmm. um, I definitely would recommend this book though. So it's kind of like a four point five to me, but Goodreads doesn't give you. 0.5. So if I if I can give a 0.5 today, I'll give a 4.5. Um, I loved it. I love the characters. 
Um, oh, the cover. I love the cover. I thought it was very beautiful. And I mean, the title goes with the story because it's her name. So I give that a five as well. But I think the cover was uh, very nicely done and, and would have pulled me in even if you hadn't to pick this for book club because it's it is very beautiful. Um, and this was a perspective that I have not read before or heard before. So um, for me, I really liked that, that it was like a new location, a new culture. And we like to pick those kinds of things for book club anyway, but I liked it in that regard that it was something new to learn. So only good things to say about that. Okay. Thank you, Erin. Do you have to go now or? I, I'll take a few more minutes. Oh, okay. Just I just want to double check because everyone's going on this great vacation after this. So yeah. I'm just kind of I mean, like it's to Michigan, just to be clear. <laughs> 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 no, we're terribly exciting, guys. But it is my first trip to the Great Lakes. So uh, so my rating, I mean, I'm I'm really torn because the writing is just absolutely brilliant. I just wish I could write like you do. I mean, the prose is just phenomenal. The descriptions, the lemon trees, just everything. I mean, the way you describe, oh my gosh, the mangoes. And I was there. I wanted to vacation in Fiji. I mean, of course, Fiji is beautiful and the beaches are gorgeous. And I'm kind of like, oh my goodness, I want to be there. I want to live here. So out of all of that, that's why, you know, my rating is balancing. As far as the story I wanted more. I liked the story, but I just felt as far as an arc goes, I wanted a bigger arc. I wanted a bigger pow. So that's where the balance comes from between the, like the story, I'm giving it around three-ish and then the writing is five. So I gave it like a four. And uh, the cover, you know, I, I like the cover. It's pretty, but I couldn't connected because there's it's all it's red and it's henna and it's wedding and it just I'm kind of like I have a little disconnect with wedding and everything in the book because I'm kind of like was this book about just weddings uh but I love the I love this part you know with the the ocean in the background yeah the cover I give it about like a three and a half I'll round it up to a four and what else what do we normally do the rating the cover, and then the title, I give it a five because it's, yeah, Kalyana, the, the title is a hands down a five for me. Um, Rufat? Uh, I love the writing. I love the characters. Uh, I am going to read the book again and I would recommend it, which always makes my rating, like impact my rating. So I would definitely go with five. My only little complaint, and I think it's not a complaint you wrote. I mean, there was a bigger purpose of writing but I just felt that in the later part of the when uh, in the later part of the book when Manjula moves to Canada and she moves to U.S. that there was a disconnect between the family um, and there are reasons of course which you said she didn't want to go back um, that's where I just felt a little bit like uh, maybe you uh, didn't want to put much time in that because like I said there were more important issues we were dealing with but that was just a little bit other than that, in terms of your writing, I just want to say that um, we in our group have we like Frederick Bachman a lot. And I think I love how he portrays younger people's uh, perspective. But you really surpassed that uh, the separation anxiety that Kiliana had in the school. I mean, I could not imagine that's what kids think when they're being separated. Like, you know, uh, what was that? Admission? The word admission? Institution. I mean, something like that. Yeah. Was like, admitted. Yeah. Admitted, admitted, admitted. Admitted. Yes. yes. Admitted. Like, right. Wow. Can you even imagine where kids' imaginations take them and how they perceive one thing? That was, and now it makes sense because you say that you used to write short story one a day. So it makes sense uh, how, why you were able to write so vividly about a child's brain. And that was really nice. And I loved um, the symbolism that you used throughout mm. the blood and pain. That was really beautiful. That kind of version as what I uh, sensed where the cover and the marriage and the henna went. To me, it made connection right then. And uh -huh. also the invisible ladies that was such a beautiful thing that she was a child who had so much imagination so much hope for life and then after that event 
she only sees the shadow of those people of those four women on her wedding night not even those women themselves and then finally when she had the closure and she went through she came back to uh, Fiji met her mom and finally had all those closures and understanding of why what happened she had that door opened again I think that was really um, a very touchy thing for me uh, how we can easily kill our kids dreams our you know little ones dreams and before you joined we were talking about it that it's not the trauma that impacts it's how we handle the trauma or how we can't close do a closure to it or how our adults decide about it and I'm not blaming the mom. I totally understand where she was coming from. So these few things really made the book so amazing that whatever complaint I had with the book really didn't matter. But I just felt that uh, from our cultures, we are quite connected with their parents back home. So that, but the title was beautiful. The cover was beautiful. And for me, I think everything is five. Good. You know, and about the Canada section, just I wanted to say when I wrote this book, it was 2011. Internet didn't have that much information. So, you know, um, when the military coup happened, there's two directions that could have taken this story. Keep the story in Fiji, but then I have to explore what they went through with the coup, which I had no idea at all because I had migrated with the 30% of the other Indo-Fijians. And 30%, I mean, there's what, 400,000 Indo-Fijians. So let's say 30% of that is um, 120,000 or so. You know, that's a lot of people that left. That was the reality for a lot of people in the 1980s. So I couldn't really research what life was like after the coup in the 80s, because I, I moved to Canada after that. It, there was no, like the phone calls were $2 or $3 a minute. Uh, you had to write those letters, which I still have, all the handwritten letters of my mom, you know, and my whole family. But then it took about two months to get to you. And then you write the letter back and another two months to get to them. So in the Canada section, what I did want to explore was that disconnect. So when the granddaughter met the grandmother, she didn't grow up with any of the stories that Kalyana grew, grew up with, you know, and she touched, I think, her hair. And the granddaughter didn't really, there was no connection there. There was no video calling. Uh, there was no Facebook back then. There was no emails. Like these things didn't exist. So it has impacted, to be honest, like my life. Uh, my nephews and nieces have grown up and I go back and I work in Fiji as well at the university. So I get a chance to be with the family. But everyone's so scattered. I mean, some are in US, some are in Australia, some are in New Zealand. The connection has been lost and it's very, I make an effort to keep it, but it's not the same unless you're really just together. So that's what I was trying to explore, I think, in the Canada section. And I think it's important as well to understand the effect migration has on refugees or has on people that have to, they're forced out of their home. I would say, I guess not Lance, I would say home, forced out of their uh, home, you know, to go and try and rebuild somewhere else. And the biggest impact happens on on the relationships. So that's what I wanted to tell with the Canada section as well. Okay. Anything else? Anybody? I do have one question. Uh, thank you, Rifith, for reminding me about the the ladies, the old the old <laughs> ladies. I absolutely adored that and loved it. And I wondered like what, where did that idea come from? I, I could just really re like relate to it because I think, well, part of my upbringing is a little bit of, um, I, I don't know what the right term for it is, but like that our ancestors really are kind of a part of us, even if we don't always understand or know why. But anyway, so I'm just wondering where that came from. Well, the, the four elements, because fire, anything really like fire, water or wind. I mean, we, we need breath. But then there's, there can be tornadoes and they can destroy as well. Same thing with water. We need it for survival, but too much of it, you know, can cause floods and destroy you as well. All of those things, except for Mother Earth, right? Because she's the one who's carrying the burden of everything. So everything's piled on her. And I think I said that in the book as well. I don't know where that actually came from, but it's, um, you know, something I thought, the concept I thought interesting, but I also created them simply to explore her loss of 
innocence. So in a symbolic way, it was the literary tool. And before I sit down to write, I actually think about all of those things. Like I'm big on imagery, metaphor, symbolism, like everything has to work together for the whole book. Yeah, so they, that's what they were. They're, they just helped me show in a symbolic way what she has lost. And I think you picked up on it, right? Because after that event, they were pretty much gone from her life. And it's loss of her imagination, loss of her childhood. And that's what they signified in the book. I, yeah, I'm not sure where that things just come. <laughs> that I can answer. I love her dreams. It's just, just so vivid. I mean, it's the whole book is part dream and part reality. It's, it was very well we- woven together. What about the snakes? That Was it difficult right. to read? No, no, no. I liked it. I loved the snakes. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. A fear of snakes. And then it becomes that the snakes are fine. It's just, it's like all this, you know, like I'm trying to weave it together. I'm going, okay, well, we've got dream. We've got reality. How are we weaving it together? It's, it was really good. Well done. Yeah. And in the end, uh, I don't know if you guys caught this, but the mom's ashes turn into the snake, right? So it's, I was trying to symbolically say that the mom was the protector, as she was saying in the beginning. And then the bird symbolism, too, I really, really, really like even the last sentence, the little bird soaring to the sky. So mm-hmm. I am the last sentence. Yep. A little bird was soaring to the skies. I saw the caterpillar morph into a butterfly. A little bird was soaring to the skies. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that touches me, too. Like, after the book is done, it's kind of interesting because then it has an impact on me too like if I let's say read it I will cry at certain points same thing the last sentence also empowers me (laughs) so it's kind of interesting because it's still even though I wrote it right it still has the same impact I think right and it's always good they say when if you are impacted by your own book that means others will be impacted by it also Rifat you have your hand up yeah, and I'm just going to, I know we all need to leave. I just wanted to say that we did not mention immigration, but I felt it as a very strong part of your book. And immigration, whether it's forest or whether, you know, by choice, it has its impact. I also moved here in 97 to uh, 98 to the US. And I know my kids growing up here and the disconnect with families and everything. So I understood that uh, part two. Uh, I just thought, you know, like whatever I mentioned, but no, that the immigration concept, not only uh, for people to come to US, but also to Fiji that you had mentioned, that was really beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, I, I also like with the Canada section, I just didn't want to explore another immigrant story. I guess I shouldn't say that. But, you know, I've read yeah. a lot of South Asian books exactly. before I wrote this one. And they all have to do with not fitting in. And it's just something I couldn't, I just didn't want to go there. So maybe if I had gone there, but it's just something I just didn't want to redo. No, that's true. That's true. Thank you. You are very, very welcome. I, I should say thank you. It's been just an absolute honor and privilege that you took the time to come and share your thoughts about your wonderful book. And thank you for writing the book. And, um, you know, this is great that you get to share this with the world and us. And that's it for Book Club. I hope you enjoyed our discussion. Upcoming is going to be an interesting episode, to say the least. What do I say about the upcoming episode? Well, okay, so it's a conversation I had with the gentleman I met on Twitter And I wanted him to run me through the process of a book from, say, writing it to editing, querying, and publishing. I thought it would be a straightforward, you know, bang, bang, done kind of a conversation. And was I thrown in for a loop? Anyway, it's just going to be an interesting conversation. Just want to let you know. When that conversation comes up, I'm going to obviously put up the alerts. It's going to be a long episode. I think it's going to be over two hours. And content warning as far as language in case you have kids in the car. But that's one of the upcoming episodes. Of course, we're almost towards the end of the month. So month and review should be around the corner also. I know I've been behind 
on the podcast, it's just really hard to juggle things. I mean, I have time now. But even with time, it's really hard to juggle everything going like, oh, I've got to write my book. Oh, I've got to edit the podcast. Oh, I've got to continue with my reading. Oh, and it's a whole bunch of O's. But anyway, that's all I have for this episode. Before I go, if you loved this episode or any of my previous episodes, please take a moment to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram on Living a Life Through Books. I'm also on Clubhouse. Look me up by name. I'm on TikTok. My tag is at Dr. Shnaz Ahmed. You can reach me through email. My address is livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. My website is shnazahmed.com. That is S-H-A-H-N-A-Z-A-H-M-E-D.com. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavik. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books, signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time.